here we are again with the Oh My Days Academy. And today, once again, I have my co-host, the questionable Tom Geeches. Hey, Tom. Whoa, 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 whoa. Questionable Tom Geeches. Now, I think questionable is quite a bad term to describe me because it means someone that <laughs> I could be a bit suspicious or suspect. So I'm going to take the word questionable as I like asking questions. Do you think I like asking questions? No, I meant it the other way around, actually, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. No, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, I reckon questionable. You're right. You're, you're right. I mean, the, the, the way in which I'm using the word questionable is indeed someone that asks questions. I don't even know if that's true. Would you say that's true of you, Tom? Um, I, I do like asking questions, but I think I think adults actually in general are quite more reserved about asking questions. So I tend to think about a question and then try and filter it in my head. I end up answering it myself before asking the question, which is probably not a good thing. But I do think adults tend to reserve questions rather than just go bleh and blurt out the questions. You're right. You're right. Now, we've both got kids and I don't know about you, but my kids uh, ask the most ridiculous and the most frustrating of questions. Uh, things like, uh, Daddy, why are you drinking out of that glass and not one of mine? Or why are you coming through that door and not through the back door? And it's just ridiculous, pointless questions. What, what about you? Well, I do, I do think that's a good question, actually, Tom. Why are you drinking out of that glass? Why aren't you drinking out of a princess cup? Like, you can do that. <laughs> this is true. I mean, you know, I would have had the princess cup, but it was uh, in the wash, right? But uh, no, it's true. They, <laughs> okay. they ask ridiculous questions, don't they? You're right. I, I had one yesterday morning, actually. My um, my two-year-old daughter, She at the moment, she's having like chocolate waffles for breakfast. So nice. I made the, made the chocolate waffle, put it on the table, and then um, she said to me, Daddy... Can I have some cereals on top of my chocolate waffle? No, just, just no. Why would you even ask that? I know, I know. I mean, kids are just, but kids are just a bit more open for questions, aren't they? Uh, whereas, I guess adults we yeah, tend think, to to stop. Yeah, I, I think kids don't have the filters. They don't understand what a silly question is or what a sensible question is. And I think that's quite freeing and liberating, actually, just to be able to have the confidence in yourself to ask a question. I think it's brilliant. Well, today's uh, conversation uh, with Mark Greenwood is all about asking questions. Now, now Mark uh, is a man of faith. He's, he's a Christian guy, uh, but he's done some work into and, and some reading around the questions that people ask him about his faith. Uh, and so we explored three of those questions uh, today. I think it was three. And uh, we explored three of the questions and just really to dig into a little bit about why why that's important, why he considers spirituality important, and, and, and why he's done so much research and reading into the questions that people are asking him. So here's uh, my conversation with the brilliant Mark Greenwood. I think the spiritual side of life is really important to consider. In fact, I, I would argue priority. I think there's definitely a spiritual being in all of us, and so often we fill life with busyness and franticness and, and never actually slow life down and ask some of those existential questions of, you know, why am I here even? So, and I think those are the spiritual questions in every single person. So I think it's critical if we don't, I think we sell ourselves short as human beings. 
Mark, tell us a bit about yourself and, and your background and, yeah. and maybe even a bit of your, your kind of story of, of how you've come to explore this kind of spiritual side of life. Yeah, well, I'm not from a particularly spiritual <laughs> or religious family. Uh, my mum and dad split up when I was young. My dad was an alcoholic. Uh, mum got remarried. Uh, and for some people that doesn't work out well, but for us it worked out great. And uh, one of the most memorable moments in my life actually is when Jimmy Greenwood, this new man in our family, uh, sat us down as a family and said, I'd, I'd love to adopt you. I'd love for you to become my kids. And just that thought that here's somebody who, you know, didn't have to, but he chose to lay aside his own agendas, his own priorities, that he could become our dad. And so that was... That was a pretty spectacular experience. He was, he would class himself as an atheist. Actually, a lazy atheist is what he classed himself as. Nice. Which I, yeah, I just love it. And what he meant by that was he, he decided there was no God, but he couldn't really be bothered to find out whether it was true or not. <laughs> I think it's a brilliant description, isn't it? And my mum was brought up in quite a strict religious school, which kind of turned her away, really. I kind of grew up believing that probably was a God, said occasional prayers like, God, I wouldn't mind that bike for Christmas, but, you know, really important prayers. You still pray that prayer. Still pray that one way. I'm still waiting for that bike. I'm still waiting for that bike. But, um, yeah, so I kind of grew up, uh, God was around me a little bit more just because he was around in general kind of parlance and school assembly. So mm. I kind of believed, I think, that there was something, but never realised that it was anything more than just a kind of an external belief really and um, it was actually one night I'd been grounded for six weeks Tom I don't know if you can believe that a, a good man like me right a good man like me yeah, yeah I'm sure yeah yeah thanks thanks for that no um, yeah absolutely and uh, during that six weeks a guy came on our doors one of those classic door to door people try to get people to believe and Brian Hardacre was one such person only as my dad opened the door he saw something very different in Brian. You see, we'd only found this... Actually, I only found this out a couple of years ago. So this is like... Yeah, this is like nearly 40 years after the event. I discovered that Brian, six days previous to this night in May slash June 1982, he, he, six days previous, he'd, he'd just found God himself. Right. He, he wasn't a believer of, of any sort. And so he's kind of met God... God's transformed his life and all of a sudden he just like wants to tell every single person and so when we saw him and as my dad opened the door Brian said um, what do you think about life after death which is not the usual question quite an intense question isn't it very intense I mean I don't know what you expect on a Saturday night maybe something like that would be better wear a catalogue bag I don't expect <laughs> I certainly don't expect so what do you think about life after death but actually it was really fascinating because a couple of years previous before uh, dad had adopted us. So if you ever hear me talk about dad, I'm referring to Jimmy Greenwood now. Right, okay. um, so w when dad had, a couple of years previously, he'd been a, a part of a hobby. He was a subaco diver and he was diving in the uh, Red Sea place called Elat and his best friend had a heart attack underwater. And my dad, who was from quite a tough upbringing in Bradford, real kind of working class, weren't allowed to cry really. He went outside the military hospital and just wept because his best wow. pal had died at sea. And he just asked himself or made this statement in his own brain, there has to be more to life than this. And so that set him off on a 
spiritual journey really. Those kind of events, funerals and uh, moments like that, moments of crisis, are, are often things that provoke these kind of spiritual yeah. thoughts and ideas for most people actually. Yeah. And, and even Christmas, a lot of people suddenly develop this spiritual moment yeah. at Christmas or Easter or there's something that provokes it. Yeah. What? Why do you think that is? What? What is it about crisis and uh, occasions that, yeah. that provoke thoughts? No, I think you're absolutely right, mate. And I think what it is, um, we, we, as I mentioned earlier, we live life at such a frantic pace, don't we, with mm. so many responsibilities that often we don't really stop or slow down. And I think these moments cause us to slow down. They can cause us to reprioritize, reset, or at the, at the very least think about things that we wouldn't ordinarily think about. And I think even, even the likes of Christmas, that whole time of the year where we're coming towards the end of one year and we know New Year's Eve is just around the corner and we all join hands and sing for old Lang Syne. Well, some of it, and half of us don't know the words. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. That's true. I just joined. <laughs> but it's that, isn't it? It's that moment in time where we suddenly slow ourselves down or, or are forced to slow down and just reflect a little bit more on what is really important in life. And I think that's why often we think a bit more about the spiritual things at those moments. Tell us a bit about your, your role. You're a, you're a Christian communicator, yeah. both as work but, and by what you've done over the last 20 years, is that right? Well, mate, 32 years. 30 years? Yeah. Well, it's, it was 31 years. So as we're recording this podcast, it's 2019. Okay, so in January the 30th, 2019, that, that was a celebration of 31 years wow. where I've travelled around the UK. And yeah, you mentioned I'm a Christian communicator. What I try to do, Tom, I, I've got this, this little kind of um, secret passion that I, I want people to make a decision about faith in general, yeah. right? Because I believe it is a decision. Yeah. Um, but for lots of people, they make a decision without really knowing what it is. Yeah. And so my big plea is just look closer. Have a closer look. Because if you're going to say it's not for you, at least know what it is that isn't for you. And, and actually, I, I would say that would be true about lots of things in life. We, you know, we make a lot of decisions about things without really knowing what they're about. So my kind of passion, really, as a Christian communicator is to say, hey, look, here's my slant my experience right. on what it means to be somebody who calls himself a Christian, inform people through entertainment, laughter, thinking about life and those bigger issues, yeah. and then say, could God be the person that you might need in your life to make sense of all of these things? Have a closer look. Brilliant. I mean, because it, it is, uh, kind of atheism has become a bit of a popular yeah. word in today's culture, and yeah. uh, there, are, there are people that have thought through their kind of atheistic yes. beliefs and yes. they have reason for that yeah. but then I think there's it's about, even I met a guy recently who's, who said Tom I, I've always thought of myself as an atheist but actually I don't think I am because I, <laughs> I, I now I've got questions around what, I, what I believe and, yeah. and, and so I guess um, how do we how do we respond to that kind of culture of atheism yeah. it's, it's easy to fall into isn't it With, without it really thinking about why you might call yourself an atheist or why you might call yourself a Christian. Yeah, I think, I think lots of people call themselves atheists for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes it can be emotional, sometimes it can be intellectual, sometimes it can be experiential where they've, had, they've just had negative things happen mm. around the general kind of God-faith stuff 
that causes them to want to distance themselves. Yeah. And so course. that can be an intellectual distancing, emotionally, <clears throat> or, or whatever. I think what I would say is my experience of God is is a very different experience of God to the God that atheists think he is. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, tell us a bit more about that. So I I think God's all about relationship. I think God's more loving and kind and caring. I think there's a great excitement in connecting with God in your life. And even, so just simply at that level, that's not the perception that many people have. It's seen Mm. as a suppressing, it's seen as an irrelevant kind of belief, really. And also I think it's seen a bit institutional, isn't it? But actually, I would encourage people to put to one side any thoughts about the institution of Christianity, the church, and just go on a journey to to discover whether there really is a God or not. And then if there is, kind of try and discover what what he looks like, who he is, what that's about. Um, And I think those are really, really important. I I often, when I meet somebody who's, who's an atheist, I'll often say to them, look, and I draw this, it's a bit hard to explain on a podcast, but I'll, I'll do my narrative best. Um, so I draw a little circle, and, and in that circle, um, I say it's contained the knowledge of the whole world. And I ask them to take a little pen and just put a little dot in there that best represents their knowledge as a percentage mm. of the knowledge of the whole world. Now, of course, it's a little bit difficult to do, so it's going to be bigger than, than what it should be, but yeah. we, we put that in. And then I point them to the fact that that dot now represents everything that they know. And as they can see, there's a lot that is true, real and exists that they don't know about. And then I just posture the question, is it possible God does exist? You just don't know about it. Wow, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, surely the answer has to be, well, it is possible. Even if you, and even the great atheists have said, we can't save 100% that there is no God. So I think it's worth saying, well, if there's a possibility that there is a God and what what God's really like is mm. what he's really like, then it's at least worth having a little look. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. Can I encourage you to join the Insiders Club of the Oh My Days Academy today, where we help you to implement the wisdom shared with additional content, templates, book giveaways, and access to a secret communications channel. Now, it's a monthly subscription, but it is pay what you want. Friends, here's what some of our members said. Hi, I'm Alison, and I joined Insiders Club because I wanted a new perspective and something uplifting to listen to. Hey, I'm Jamie. Uh, I joined the Insiders Club uh, because I just want to live every day uh, with a purpose um, according to what I've been called to do. I joined the Insiders Club because I wanted to dig a bit deeper and look at more practical ways that I could keep motivated and stay focused. Friends, join the Insiders Club today at ohmydaysacademy.co.uk. Just going back to your personal story a little yeah. bit, um, what would you say the impact of your faith is on, on your life? What A lot of people say, what's in it, what's in it for me, yeah, I guess. Rightly. Uh, for, for you, what, what difference has that made? Yeah, I, I think there's lots of differences. Um, yeah. Some of the obvious ones that, that most Christians would say um, would be things like, you know, being forgiven, slate wiped clean, and, and all those things are really good. Um, and, and, and right at the heart of the Christian message or the yeah. Christian understanding of God. But for me, there's a lot of 
other bits and pieces. There's a great little bit in the Bible that says forgetting all his benefits. There's a lot of <laughs> benefits <laughs> to, to, to being somebody who, who follows Jesus, who follows God. And, and so for me, one would be when I was, um, and this wasn't crisis stuff, Tom. It's not like <clears throat> I was at a crisis when I decided to become a Christian. Actually, I would say I wasn't really at a crisis. Okay. But there was a couple of things that were out, outstanding to me about it. One was, I, I just saw a huge amount of people when I started to visit this church who had this incredible, incredible <laughs> belief in God and they looked like they really enjoyed it. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to enjoy life. Well, I know you do because I know what your podcasts are called, all right? <laughs> but it's like, we want to enjoy life, don't we? And I just saw these people enjoying life. So I thought, well, do you know what? It's worth, worth having a little look to see why they're enjoying their life. And I discovered it was because God and his way of living was front and center in their life. And so that was one thing. So it was definitely a, a massive enjoyment about life. And even actually, I was reflecting just this morning, I was driving down here to record this with you. I, I just, just to know in a world that's rocky yeah, of course. <laughs> at best, to know in a world that's turbulent and where... Nobody really seems to have a clue. I think I'm 49, 50 in a couple of months' time, uh, and I think I've not really ever known a world that feels quite as vulnerable and quite as unsure uh, as I do right now. I'm not saying there, has, there hasn't been, but in my lifetime I and mean, in my awareness, yeah. this feels the most vulnerable time. And I was just reflecting this morning that I'm just dead chuffed that I'm not dependent upon my politicians or on global leaders to sort things out. I take a great deal of deep peace from knowing that God's got it all covered. And that that might not mean it works out the way I think it should work out, but at the basis of Christianity, it is about a God that cares for people. And it is about a God that was willing to make some sacrifices. And I kind of thought, well, if that's how much God thinks about me, then that means I'm worth something. And growing up, I didn't feel a lot of self-worth and value. It wasn't, it wasn't like deep-seated, so I was like thinking, get me off this planet, stop it yeah. now. It was just, I didn't, I didn't feel that amazing. I didn't feel that great about myself. I, I guess it, it, it could have spiralled into something, but it wasn't like I was suicidal or yeah, yeah. anything like that. It was just, I didn't really feel... I just felt I was a somebody else in this planet and not a, not all that good as somebody else. In, and why yeah, would other people... One of many. One yeah. of many. And why would anybody be really bothered if I wasn't around? But it, I don't want to paint a picture that it was deep and depressing because it yeah. just wasn't. But I think connecting with God and understanding that his love for me was really all that mattered, that gave me a tremendous amount of value and self-worth and really began to shape how I saw myself and then so that was like that was kind of the historical in as much as that that realization happened many many years ago but but I kind of now live in that realization and I feel I feel really valuable I feel worth something I feel like I've got a reason for being here a mm. purpose in this world and that shapes who I am and how I live. So people that might say, um, perhaps people who don't have any kind of 
faith who, who, who perhaps might respond to that and say, well, I, I could find the same thing without the need for yeah. a, a spiritual perspective on life. How, what, what would you say to them? What conversation might that emerge into? Yeah, and listen, I don't live in this um, strange world where I think that only those who are following God are happy and meaningful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do honestly believe you, you can find meaning and you can find purpose without being a Christian. I totally 100% believe that. If I was to push academically, intellectually, logically to mm. the extreme, um, I would suggest that if we, if, we only, if we only arrived here with nobody really wanting us to be here, um, then actually we're, we're here purely by accident and there is no real purpose, and there is no real value. And even the ultra-atheists, or not just the ultra-atheists, even the atheists would concede that actually there is no real meaning to life. Mm. That actually it is just about doing your best while you're here. I, I think, I could be wrong, I think Darren Brown takes that, yeah. that approach. Yeah, I that think there is no right. meaning and yeah. there is no sense. Absolutely. And I think, <clears throat> I think you almost have to conclude that if you don't believe yeah. in God. Because if you don't conclude that, then you have to say, well, there is some higher meaning. There is some meaning. Mm. Where does meaning and purpose... Meaning only comes if you've got purpose. Okay. okay, yeah. So if I don't have a purpose... So if you employ me and give me a job, I have meaning within your company because I've got a purpose. <clears throat> if I don't have the purpose, I have no meaning. Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, of course, yeah. And so... Now, a lot of people in everyday world don't think about life quite on that level. Um, but I would argue true meaning, whatever meaning and value and purpose we find without God, I still think it lacks something that can only be found. And so, yeah, people can go through life and feel really fulfilled. And genuinely, I want people to feel fulfilled. If people aren't going to consider God, I want them to consider life, you know, and indeed that's what this podcast series is about. Just we want people to live full lives, don't we? Yeah. But I suppose for me, I believe that we can live 99.9% full lives without God. But why live 99.9% when you can have 100%? The statistics may be a little bit off there, but you <laughs> get the general sentiment behind what I'm saying. So, so would, you, would you say that all human beings are kind of intuitively spiritual in some way, whether we would label it like that or not. Yeah. Would you say that that's the basis of, of who we are? I believe so, Tom, but I think we can disguise it. Can I give you a little example? Yeah, do. I'm glad you all said that, did you? Um, <laughs> no. So, no, you can't. Stop. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So, um, so the listeners here won't realise this, but I carry a little bit of weight. Okay, I'm not about authority. It's a lie, friends. It's a lie. It's, it's a actually lie. six pack. Yeah, it's a lot of weight. It's a lot of weight. <laughs> so I struggle with my weight. I'm five foot five, and at my biggest, I was 17 and a half stone. Um, so I've always struggled with weight. And I'm in a season now where I've kind of, I'm forced to lose weight. We might get a chance to say about why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, life is a constant diet for me, really. Not sure where it is. There's times when I'm more on top of it than others. But one of the things that I've I've learned works really, really well is to disguise hunger. Okay, and there's several ways that I do that. Cherry Pepsi Max. <laughs> nice. 
hot hot diet vimto. I, I know. Now a lot of people and that, the thought of that, but hear me out, hear me out. Don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> so hot diet vimto and cherry Pepsi Max because when I go through the day and I can't have any more food because I'm on calorie control or whatever it is, um, I I cover up the hunger by Cherry Pepsi Max or Diet Hot Vimto. And for about an hour, it works. Well, there you have it, friends. Not just a spiritual conversation, but this taps into the physical health as well. Absolutely, mate. All in with the price. All in with the price. In other words, I've managed to find ways of disguising hunger. And the hunger doesn't abate. Mm. The hunger doesn't disappear. Uh, The need for food doesn't disappear. But I managed to cover it up for a little while. And does it work long term? Yeah, man. Well, <laughs> I put weight back on, so possibly right. not. But, but it, it, the principle does. If yeah. you stick with that and have the discipline. I mean, obviously, diet vimto or a cream cake. Well, it's not so much cakes for me. It's savouries. I'm like kebabs, curries, baked sausage sandwiches. All right. That's my big, <laughs> si- my big sins. Weight Watcher sins. Um, so um, it does work. And, but the truth is we're still hungry. And, yeah. and I think as human <clears throat> beings, we have this spiritual part of us, spiritual hunger, that we manage to cover up. And there are times, you hinted earlier on in, in our conversation, where you hit these, um, and sometimes they're not crisis moments, aren't they? It could be things, things like when, you, when you're out walking and you get to the top of a hill and you just look at the vista. Yeah, and you wow just, moments, the yeah. wow moments. I think all those are, they, 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 they connect with a certain part of us. And then that's why so many people find some spiritual fulfillment, fulfillment mm. in just being in, in creation, you know? Yeah. And just being a, what's around us. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think we can cover it up, but I think we are spiritual. That's great. Um, what do you think causes us then to, I mean, we've kind of already touched on this with the whole mm-hmm. atheism. What do you think causes us to neglect or, cause I, I think I know a lot of people that they're not particularly against faith or right. of any kind, Yeah. but they're just, they've just kind of, um, coasted along without re- really yeah. thinking about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. What do you think causes us to do that? What, why, for, for a lot of people, do we just kind of, just not give it much thought? We just let people of faith be people of faith and yeah. perhaps others just carry on without even thinking about it. What, where does that come from? Yeah, I, I think there's several uh, reasons. Uh, some of the reasons are people are just too busy to yeah. consider it. Um, some of the reasons are people have... Okay, so I think people look at the church and confuse that with God. Okay, okay. yeah. And of course, as a committed Christian, I believe in the local church. For me, it's really, really important. Mm. But there's this sense in which people can think that faith is an institutional thing. And that institution can put people off. Especially when we hear things about the institutions, the yeah. religious institutions that have not been helpful. Yeah. And, and, uh, and the only thing I can say is sorry about, about those things. Um, but I think people think it's a bit irrelevant. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think people have had bad experiences of it. I also think that people... One of the things I'm trying to help churches do is I believe faith is a journey. Yeah. And what I'm trying to help Christians in, in the churches that I work with do is to help them to understand there's a journey and, and how can we engage with people on that journey 
without ramming it down people's throats. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think people are scared. I think more people would have faith conversations if they didn't think it was going to be thrown down their throat. Well, ladies and gents, that was Mark Greenwood. Uh, what a legend. Really enjoy spending time with Mark uh, and especially having good, deep conversations. And uh, there is more from Mark. I couldn't quite edit it in such a way that I could remove bits without this bit feeling like it lacked uh, something. So what I've done is I've split it into two, okay? The questions are coming up in part two, which is released on the same day. So uh, questions should be there. If you go find it, part two of the episode with Mark Greenwood, and you'll find Mark answering all of the questions, the three questions that I spoke of at the beginning. Uh, Listen, if you are someone of faith, I realize not everybody here is, but I know that a large majority of the listeners are people of faith. Uh, I'd encourage you to go and download Mark's book, um, Big Yes, Little Yes and Healthy Maybe. You can get it from my Amazon store, which is amazon.co.uk forward slash shop forward slash Tom Elliott UK. Again, make sure you spell Elliot with two L's and two T's. Uh, you can buy Mark's book, Big Yes, Little Yes, Healthy Maybe. It's all about the journey that someone goes on as they explore faith. So if you're a person of faith, if you're Christian already, that book will be of interest to you. If not, don't worry about it. Uh, But I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, Obviously, this isn't about uh, pushing our beliefs on you, but it is about exploring the spirituality uh, of life, uh, because I think it's something worth, and as Mark said, uh, it is worth considering at very least. Well, enjoy part two, where Mark answers three big questions that I put to him. But otherwise, I'll see you soon.